I would like to uh, echo the little video that we watched a few moments ago. <clears throat> How many have you have, have actually been praying for our nation and praying for the election? That's awesome. You know, the Bible says faith without works, though, is dead. So I challenge you. You know, I really challenge you to get out and pray continually and seek God and place your most God-honoring vote this week. The entire destiny of our nation, you know, is absolutely dependent. It, you, you just cannot imagine. Anyhow, we had uh, ordered a bunch of these uh, decision things that just tells you what the candidates do believe and all. If you don't know, it's kind of a little crash course there. And they did not come in because so many were requested around the nation. So actually at a great expense, we had to go out and print them, you know, our own self. So I really challenge you to take one of these. There'll be an usher at all three doors when you leave. I challenge you to take this with you and read it. The little video clip that we saw uh, where uh, Franklin Graham, that's Billy Graham's son, he uh, was at Hartford at the Capitol as well. Susan and I were there. And uh, it's just a, a movement of God's people around the nation to do the right thing, to actually, you know, begin to look at getting in political positions as a believer instead of being afraid of that but launching out into that, but doing what we can to make a difference. One friend of mine said, well, I've got to vote. If I don't, I won't have any reason to complain, will I? You know, so I don't care what your motivation is, but I challenge you to prayerfully consider the candidates, understand what they believe, and where they'll take our nation, and then go place your most God-honoring vote. So those are available to everybody who would like one. Um, okay, and uh, that's what we're talking about, making a difference by what I do. And, and, and I do, you do, we do all kinds of things. You know, we really do. Last week, we took our very first offering for our handicap accessible edition. You know, it's an edition with two handicap restrooms, upstairs, downstairs, elevator, the whole works. And we took our first uh, uh, offering last week, and we did it in a red envelope. And there are some red envelopes at the tithe boxes, you know, um, and I appreciate everybody's generosity. You know, what we uh, received last week, you know, was $22,000 toward our addition. That's awesome. So give yourselves an awesome hand there. But we need substantially more, and we have it. We already have all the money. It's just in your pockets, and we got to figure out how to get it from there over to there, okay? Uh, but please take advantage of that. And uh, continue your giving. And uh, the elevator, the addition, should be done before Christmas, okay? So it should be all done before Christmas. So you consider, you know, continuing to make a difference in that area. And the people, I mean, my next-door neighbor this past week, it was, it was on Saturday when I was studying. Pastor Ron, yeah, what you need, Bob? Can you come get me up? I fell down the stairs. I was like, okay. So now I could have just said, wait till Monday, that's my day off. <laughs> but you don't do that, do you? No, you don't. And that's why God has given us the idea, 
how we can get handicap accessibility into our building finally, thank God. And we do whatever it takes us to do to get the handicapped folks, folks who need a little assistance to, to be gracious and show respect to them instead of throwing them over our shoulder like we used to and carrying them up the stairs. Uh, so just keep that in mind as we need to, uh, you know, pay for that whole uh, thing. Let me see, was there anything else I needed to make mention of? Oh, we had a, a leadership meeting this past week. The leaders that represent Faith Living Church, the majority of them were there. You know, it was a couple of situations. Somebody had to be out of town or whatever, but they'll get a copy of that. And we got some awesome leaders over every area of ministry, and they're ready. And they're excited about what God's doing in them and how we can work together to make a difference. So next weekend, we'll have a service like normal, but then all the ministry leaders with their booths will be out under the tent. And you'll have opportunity to walk around, you'll have stuff to eat, you know, and uh, people will be talking to you, sharing with you about their ministry. While you're talking to somebody at this booth over here, people from that booth will try to steal you over to their booth and sign up, okay? So uh, you're valuable. You are absolutely valuable. So be praying for that as well. And I think, I think that's pretty much it. Uh, but what we are talking about is making a difference by what I do. And a small part of that, but it's a huge part as well, is to get out and vote. It is the absolute most God-honoring thing we can do if we're praying for our nation is to get out and vote. It's, it's not, so, well, well, I don't like, I don't, don't matter. Get out and vote. When you place a vote, you, you, you take a vote away from one person, you know. You add a vote to one person. I challenge you. You know, you'll make a difference by what you do. When I, when I came to understand that 20 to 30 million believers did not vote in the last election, because each one go, well, my little vote don't make no difference. And see, if we can change that mentality, because see, little things really do make a difference, don't they? <clears throat> can, I have a, can I have the ushers help me with an object lesson real quick? You got an usher? Stand by those lights there. Those lights right over there, put your fingers on the switch. And the guys in the booth, do you all know how to kill these lights up here? On the count of three. Do you all know how to do that? You do or you don't? Okay, on the count of three, I want everybody, just hit what switches you have. One, two, three. Awesome. Okay, turn back on. Whoa, look at there. That's awesome. Okay. Uh, guys, who's, how big are those switches? Very small. Do small things make a difference? Absolutely. You know, they have one teeny tiny button that can kill my voice all the, boom, don't do it. Okay. Well, see, just because it's small don't mean it ain't making a difference. It does make a difference. We need to understand that, that little old me and little old you, what I say and what I do, it makes a difference. And for the future of our children and our grandchildren, we need to do our part. We need to do our part. We're not asked to go out on a battlefield with a sword like they did a long time ago during the nights, you know, medieval days. We're asking to do our part. And our part right now is to pray and faith without works is dead and to vote. And it makes a difference. It really does. Okay. Um, Think about this for a moment. What would happen 
if God was to go on strike. Y'all understand strike? Yeah, it's not baseball either, you know, okay. How good it is that God above has never gone on strike because he was not treated fair in things he didn't like. If only once he'd given up and said, that's it, I'm through. I've had enough of those on earth, so this is what I'll do. I'll give my orders to the sun, cut off the heat supply, and to the moon, give no more light, and run the oceans dry. Then just to make things really tough and put the pressure on, turn off the vital oxygen till every breath is gone. You know, he would be justified if fairness was the game, for no one has been more abused or met with more disdain. Thank God, and yet he carries on supplying you and me with all the favor of his grace and everything for free. Men say they want a better deal, and so on strike they go. But what a deal we've given God to whom all things we owe. We don't care whom we hurt to gain the things we like, but what a mess we'd all be in if God should go on strike. Everything that you have that is dear, that is precious, that is good, it came from God. The Bible says every good and perfect gift comes from the Father above. And, and he has never gone on strike. The sun always rises. He has taken care of us in absolutely amazing ways. His time frame may not be the same as your time frame, but he always helps us in our times of need. And the things that God does, it makes a difference for me. And the things that God is doing, it makes a difference for you. I'm thankful that God does stuff. And you and I, creating his image, we make a difference by what I do, by what you do, by what we do. Opportunities are often missed. You're looking for an opportunity? You know, you, you want to fulfill what God's called you to do? Opportunities are often missed because opportunities, life-changing opportunities, come to us dressed in overalls. You know what overalls means? If you're a farmer, you understand that means work. Exactly. It means work. And sometimes we're afraid of work or, or we don't want work or we just kind of like chill out, you know, a little bit or, or a lot of bit or something or another, you know. Uh, do you think work is good for us? God created us and put us here. I'm going to read you a passage just kind of quickly. We're going to keep on going. But in 2 Timothy, I'm sorry, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 10, it says, Even while we were with you, we gave you this rule. Whoever does not work, work, should not eat. How many of you guys like to eat? I do. Now, don't misunderstand this. It, 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 it's very clear. It's very understandable. If, if you're in a situation physically that you can't, that's understandable. If you're in a situation where you're in between jobs, that's understandable. But what he's talking about people who just refuse to work. They refuse to. They feel that everybody in this world owes them something, you know. So the Bible says, because God is very interested in what we do, and he knows what we don't do that we should do. 
He goes on to say here in verse 11, yet we hear that some of you are living idle lives. You understand idle. Put your car, when you get ready to leave to go for lunch today, sit out there in the parking lot, just put it in idle and try to get somewhere. You know, that's all it's going to do is make noise. You got to put it in gear. And he says, yet we hear that some of you are living idle lives, refusing to work and wasting time meddling in other people's business. Remember, again, faith without works is dead. We got to do our part when it comes to God's kingdom. In verse 12, it says, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we appeal to such people. No, we command them, settle down and get to work. Earn your own living. And I say to the rest of you, dear brothers and sisters, never get tired of doing good because making a difference is what happens by what we do. The doing good, not just voting, but doing good, the things that God has put before us. Do what we can. And he goes on to say in verse 14, take note of those who refuse to obey what we say in this letter and stay away from them so they will be ashamed. But this is important. Verse 15 is extremely important. You know people who ain't working and they could? He says, don't think of them as enemies. Don't think of them as an enemy because they're not. They're just not educated in regards to what the Bible teaches us. God created us to work. We thrive when we engage in the work that God has set before us. Verse 15 says, don't think of them as enemies, but speak to them as you would to a Christian who needs to be warned. So we can encourage people. Hey, you need to get out and work. You know, you'll be healthier and wiser and you'll feel better about yourself. Not only just working to make a living, but doing God's work. Richard Baxter once said, choose that employment or calling in which you may be most serviceable to God. Choose not that in which you may be most rich or honorable in the world, but that in which you may do most good and, and best to escape sinning. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 5 says, but you should keep a clear mind in every situation and don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. What's the next word? Work at bringing others to Christ. Work at bringing others, men and women, boys and girls. And we have so many outlets here at Faith Living Church that we work together to bring men to Christ, to bring women to Christ, to bring boys and girls to Christ, to bring people in other nations to Christ. That's why we stream our, our services. That's why we're supporting all the kids in Ethiopia. So many facets of what we do. It everything revolves around this passage. Work at bringing others to Christ and complete the ministry God has given you. Now you might say, well, I'm not no preacher. Is, is preaching the only part of bringing people to Christ? Everything that we do, everything that we do. If we didn't have somebody flipping the switches up there, you wouldn't hear us. We didn't have people putting all the technical stuff together, the, the services wouldn't be streamed around the world. I mean, if we didn't have somebody who was helping to maintain the building, you know, making sure there was every facet 
of what goes on here, all of it has to do with working to bring others to Christ, you know. And uh, it's really important to understand that ministry says, complete the ministry God has given you. The word ministry, I mean, it sounds deeply theological, you know. Sounds very religious. I'm in ministry. All it means is serve, serving. It's just serving other people like, uh, yeah, uh, can I get you a cup of coffee? Oh, you like cream and sugar with that? Okay, I'll be right back. That's ministry. Serving other people in whatever facet that might be, that's ministry. Serving people is what makes the difference. For dedicated Christians, our primary life vocation is ministry. What does ministry mean? It means serving. To view our workplace as a ministry post. Imagine a military person, he's been put on post. You don't abandon your post, do you? No, sir. So imagine this right here, um, that our ministry post is God-given. We don't want to abandon it. Our pulpits are our desk, our cars, our classrooms, our, our, our business, our kitchens. Seeing yourself as a toolmaker, homemaker, school teacher, or professional person who just happens to be a Christian is fundamentally different from seeing yourself primarily as a Christian who happens to be a secretary, a mechanic, a salesperson, or an accountant. See, we're a Christ follower first, and God puts us in every walk of life so we might bring the light and represent him. People should be positively influenced toward Christ in every setting where Christians are found working. And we should have the best testimony. People should look at Christians and go, you work harder than three of anybody else I got on, on, on staff, you know. We should be the best workers. We, we really should. In the book of Mark, <clears throat> he tells us, chapter 16, verse 15, he says, and then he told them, go into half of the world and all of the world and preach the good news to everyone. There is nobody, we go, well, I'm not sure if God wants me to talk to that person. Nowhere does he say that. He says, go into all the world and preach the good news. Tell them about what Christ has done for you to everyone, you know? And, and, and you might say, well, I, I really can't do that much. Think about that for a moment. I really can't do that much. But you can do something. And the little bit that you can do, it makes a difference by what I do, by what you do, even if it's a little bit, even if it's just a teeny, tiny bit. Let's see if we can illustrate that here. I don't know what I have here today. Oh. I like it when it starts off with something to eat with. <laughs> Anybody like honey? Yeah? Let me see here. Whoa. Hmm. 
A little bit too much. Okay. You see that right there? Hmm. I made it disappear. Before your very eyes. It's pretty good. But not as good as a full spoon would be. Hmm. A honeybee. Little bitty honeybees. Think about this for a moment. They only live for six weeks. And a honeybee, from the day that thing comes out of his little, uh, you know, capsule there in the hive, he works nonstop for six weeks. And a honeybee's life, <clears throat> the entirety of its life, it produces one-twelfth of a teaspoon of honey. His whole life spent working every waking moment. He produces just a little twelfth of a teaspoon. Is it worth it? How many of y'all like honey? It's better. I mean, that's, that stuff is good for you. And I don't know if you knew this, but if you can find honey that was uh, harvested within like 10 miles of your house, it's like getting an inoculation against all the allergies in the area. And you can actually overcome allergies by, if you can get honey that's harvested within about 10 miles of your house. Not to mention that, it's so much better for you than white sugar, you know? And, and, and the list goes on and on and on and on about honey. Now, just out of respect for all those other bees. <laughs> Whoa. Ooh. I needed some gluten-free toast for that. <laughs> if I get to run around on the stage up here in a few moments, you'll know why. Mm. Well, I better wait for later. <laughs> Yes, I agree. <laughs> Take advantage of every opportunity I can to eat while I preach. So, would you think just because little honeybees, they only do just a little teeny bit, their whole life, they only do a little teeny you think they should just go on strike and quit? When all of our little bits is joined together, we make a huge difference. Whether it's casting our God-honoring vote or whether it's serving in some facet of ministry here, what we do as we connect together to do it, it makes an awesome difference. Oh, we had an awesome water baptism last night as well. The place was jam-packed. whole pile of people got baptized last night. It was, it was awesome. And that's all because of everybody working together, people coming to know Christ, people taking that step and doing God-honoring kinds of things. It's just amazing. Listen to what he says here in Mark chapter 14, verse 8. It says, She has done what she could and has anointed my body for burial of head of time. Here's a woman who had a very wrong kind of a career. And part of the tools of her trade was perfume. Anyhow, she come, when she came to know Christ and began to follow Christ, she was motivated. She was inspired to bring that perfume and pour it all over Christ. 
That's what she could do. There's millions of things that she couldn't do, but she did the little thing that she could do. What she did, it made a difference. Jesus goes on to say in verse 9, he says, I assure you, wherever the good news is preached throughout the world, this woman's deed will be talked about in her memory. Hmm. Doing what we can gets God's attention. And he said, have y'all heard about the woman who poured the, uh, the perfume, the ointment on Christ before he was crucified? I mean, he was she was preparing him for burial. She didn't know that, but she did what she was inspired to do. And he said that everybody, wherever the gospel is preached, will hear about that woman because she did what she could. See, we can talk about, oh, well, one day I'd like to, or, you know, we have great intentions, but great intentions don't accomplish much, do they? Well, I intended to. Well, I intended to pray. Well, I intended to vote. Well, I intended to get involved in ministry. Well, I intended to take those people a bag of groceries. I intended to adopt a kid. I intended to share my faith with my neighbor, or share my faith with some of my loved ones. I intended to do it, and years passed, and I just never did it. There's too many other things that entertain us that we can just kind of chill and be entertained, and, and lots of times we just don't do. But see, we make a difference by what we do not by what we intend to do someday. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58 says, So, my dear brothers and sisters, men and women, be strong and steady, always enthusiastic. Another translation says abounding, always enthusiastic, abounding about the Lord's work. Brothers and sisters, strong and steady, always. What percentage of the time is always? 100%. Always abounding. Always enthusiastic about the Lord's work. For you know, you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. is never in vain. Anything, no matter how small it might seem, it, it, it is not in vain. It makes a difference when you do something for the Lord. You're making a difference. This is what he says here in Psalms 90 verse 17. And this is really a prayer. And he says, and may the Lord our God show us his approval and make our intentions successful. Effort. Effort is works. Effort is works. And may the Lord our God show us his approval and make our efforts, make our works, what it is that we do, make it successful. That was his prayer. And just in case you didn't get it, the rest of the verse goes on to say, yes, make our efforts successful. Well, I believe he's going to make my efforts this coming week when I cast my vote. I believe he's going to make my efforts successful. And I believe he's made our efforts successful at all the hundreds of kids that we reached during um, July, you know, our vacation Bible adventure. And I believe he's making our efforts successful over in Ethiopia, where we're sponsoring 300 some odd kids. We have a faith living church over there. Nobody else supports that church or those kids except you. Nobody else. It's not some other organization. That's us. Lord, we pray that you would make our efforts successful. And all that we set our hand to do at, at building uh, an addition, putting in an elevator, 
and every other thing that we do to touch people in our community make our efforts successful. Not our good intentions, but our efforts successful. Colossians chapter 3, verse 23 says, Work, what does that word say? Work hard. Again, your boss should come up to you and go like, you know, take it easy. Take it easy. Actually, when we first started Faith Living Church here, I was actually working on a farm. Here in, in uh, Connecticut, it was a meek farm. I would feed them and rake the manure out from underneath their cages. Sometimes they would bite me. I did that part-time to rent this building. And my boss, I worked from 6 o'clock in the morning to around 1 o'clock, and then I came and did all the other responsibilities the pastor was supposed to do. And mink smell like a, a very faint smell of a skunk. I don't know if you knew that or not, but they, they do. And my boss was always, he said, slow down, take a break. I found that if you work hard, time passes quicker. Did you know that? If you just kind of sit down and chew the fat, it's like it seems like three days to get, to get through just one. The Bible says work hard and cheerfully at whatever you do. Work at it hard. If you're going to be serving as work hard and cheerlessly. Wait a minute. Huh? What does that say? Is there a difference between being cheerless or cheerful? But some people do work hard, and they always moan and groan and bellow. Why isn't everybody else working as hard as I am? Yeah, well, they ought to—they just ought to fire that person, and they should fire them people over there. And and why, I have to do all the work. You ain't God honoring that way. God never intended you to work that way. He said, "Work hard and." cheerfully. Work hard and cheerfully at whatever you do. Whatever, if it's the most honorable thing that you think of, or it's a very dis, dishonoring kind of a job, you know, clean up the whole, most horrible mess. He says, work hard and cheerfully at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. You look at your, your employer, at your boss, and you see standing right behind your boss, you see Jesus. And you can in good conscience go, I'm working for you. You told me to do it, I'm working for you. Your boss can come and say, you're the best worker we got. I mean, what's the difference? And now you have an opportunity to say, well, I'm doing my work not just for you, but I'm doing it for Jesus. Because he's made such a difference in my life. It gives you a platform to share what Christ has done in your life with those folks. Because they're asking you. And he goes on to say here, verse 24, remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward, and the master you are serving is Christ. Whatever job you work, whatever you're doing, Jesus says, do it for him. Do it like he was doing it for him. Romans 12, verse 11, it says, never be lazy in your work, but serve the Lord how? Enthusiastically. Be glad for all God is planning for you. Be patient in trouble and always prayerful, because prayer makes a difference. Now, I, I referred to this article I'm going to read you here in a moment, a couple months ago, but I'm going to give you all the details of it. There was a fascinating letter in Psychology Today magazine some years back. Dr. Robert Healy, a psychotherapist, he's a counselor, okay? 
he wrote of a patient of his, a young man who had come to him for therapy, who had come to him for counseling. After having changed his mind about committing suicide, he came for some counseling. It seems that this young man planned to jump off a bridge in his town when something strange happened. While driving his car to the bridge, he stopped at a traffic light. Looking toward the sidewalk, he spotted an elderly woman who was smiling at him. Hmm. We don't know what her name is. We don't know anything else about her. She was basically a nameless elderly woman on the curb there, and she was just glowing. She was smiling at this young man in the car. That's all we know about it. He felt himself smiling back. The light changed, and he drove on. But the memory of her kindly face stayed with him. Later, he told his uh, psychologist, he said, her smile made me think that perhaps life wasn't so bad after all. Nothing traumatic, just an old woman with a pleasant expression on her face. But the effect it had on this man was life-changing. One life touched another life, and a life was changed. Now, was this a major act of influence? I mean, was it like really huge? Not really. Anybody could do that. I don't care how dirt poor you are, you still have a smile to give, don't you? If you choose to. Think of the implications here. A young man decides not to commit suicide. It doesn't stop there. Since that man has decided to live, he'll touch other lives. Notice that his therapist wrote a letter to the National Magazine read by millions of people. You and I know about this experience now. It may affect our own actions after hearing it. We might smile at someone today or tomorrow, this coming week, because we know about his experience. Suppose that young man who decided not to commit suicide later has children and one of them performs some significant act. Maybe one of his offspring will find the ultimate cure for cancer. Who knows what might come of that experience of an old woman smiling at a passerby that she didn't even know. Making a difference by what I do. Is a smile something good? How do you feel if a total stranger, and I'm not talking about some creepy smile. <laughs> but how do you feel if a total stranger just gives you an awesome, innocent, God-honoring smile when they see you? And they might say, good morning. It, it can change a person's life. We, we actually read about it, you know? You believe a, a, a smile can really do that? Absolutely, it happened. Maybe you know the story of the inspirational speaker, W. Mitchell, remarkable man who has spoken to tens of thousands of people around the world. If you're not familiar with Mitchell, he speaks from a wheelchair. He was in a motorcycle accident that left him with disfiguring burns over most of his body, including his face. Later, he was in an airplane crash that caused him the use of his legs. Can you imagine? Motorcycles and airplanes. You don't know how difficult it was to get the timing of that thing right. <laughs> Mitchell says that after his motorcycle accident, 
the most difficult adjustment he had to make was dealing with people who refused to look at him because of his appearance, the appearance of his face. This was more crushing, he said, than the accident itself. But then he said, one day, a woman not only looked at me, but she smiled. And Mitchell says, that smile changed my life. Can a smile really do that? And I don't care who you are. I don't care what strikes her against you. We all have a smile that we can yet give away, you know. Now, Mitchell, now he delivers his inspiring message to large audiences all over the world. <clears throat> and every once in a while, and those audiences, young men and women, are touched in a life-changing way. The ripples of his influence goes on and on and on. We see two absolutely life changes that has trickled and touched who knows how many thousands and millions of people because someone gave away a, a simple smile. See, we make a difference by what I do, by what you do, by what we do, no matter how small it is, when we do it as unto the Lord. And the people you see today, you don't know the difficulties that they're facing. You don't know the guilt and the shame they may be wrestling with. But we can all afford to give a smile away, can't we? We really can. In the uh, New Testament, we're not going to read through it right now, but in the New Testament, there was another nameless woman, a widow. And Jesus had his gang there, his disciples. And, you know, there was all going into the temple there, and they were giving their offerings and things. And Jesus said, hey, guys, here's a teachable moment. See that woman over there? She put in two pennies. It's really, the value was actually less than that. And Jesus says, that woman right there has given more than all the rich and wealthy people. He, he wasn't discouraged that they were giving. He was thankful they were giving. But he says, they've all given a little bit of their surplus. This little woman here has given everything she has. And see, she made a difference because that little woman probably is responsible for millions, billions, maybe trillions of dollars that have come into the kingdom of God and advanced God's purposes on earth. How many of you remember the widow's might? First time I heard that, I was just like, you know what, I can do better than I'm doing if she can do that. See, we make a difference. I make a difference by what I do. We make a difference by what we do. God always works through people. You know that, right? He works through people. And those people who allow him to work in them, they make a difference. Did you know God uses old people? You know, I'm, I'm encroaching upon that term in my life. God uses old people. God uses young people. Sometimes, well, you're too young. It's like, no, you're not. God uses old people. He uses young people. He uses Talented people, doesn't he? There's awesomely talented people that God uses. And God uses people with great limitations. He uses us, you know? Anyone who is willing, anyone who is available, God will use to make a difference. I think this is the last thing I want to share with you this morning. Pastor Duncan 
His first name was King. Can you imagine that, you know? King. I mean, what was his mom and dad's heart when they named him King? You know? I find it a fascinating name. Pastor King Duncan, he once served a church in the hills of East Tennessee where the average attendance was four people. Four people, all of who were in their 70s. Two of them, he says, sat about halfway back on one side, about halfway back over here, two people sat. And the other two of them sat on the back row on the other side. Can you picture this? I almost need to bring your binoculars to see everybody out there, you know? He goes on to say it was miserable. It was so bad that Duncan tried to get them to close the church. He was preaching at several churches. He would preach at one early in the morning before he came there, you know. They had multiple services, but the pastor just kept moving from place to place, you see, in that same day. So, um, <clears throat> let me see where I was at here. He tried to get them to close the church, but they refused. He offered to personally drive them each week to another church that he served in that was alive and vital, but they wanted to keep the doors open to their little church. So week after week, he preached to those four people. Oh, sometimes there were six. There was a couple who came sporadically. On Easter Sunday, there were seven people. Awesome. There was an older gentleman named Claude. Remember Claude who came only on Easter Sunday. But for most Sundays, over a period of 18 months, there were only the four. One Sunday, however, Claude came to church on a Sunday other than Easter. And about halfway through the sermon, Pastor Duncan noticed a tear was running down Claude's face. After the service, he went to Claude, and he asked if he wanted to talk. And Claude looked half at his pastor and he said, Preacher, things aren't going to be like this around here anymore. Pastor Duncan didn't know what Claude had in mind. Maybe he was going to set fire to the building. <laughs> he really didn't know. He couldn't see any other hope, and so he drove home, glad that Claude had found meaning in the service, but not expecting anything to come of Claude's words. The next Sunday, Pastor Duncan drove up to the little church expecting to see the two cars that were almost always there. And to his shock, the small parking lot was filled with cars. He went inside and there were children and teenagers and senior citizens. And he looked at the little board that contained the figures for Sunday school that morning because they'd have Sunday school before he came to preach. And he discovered that there were 58 people had been in attendance. 58 people may not sound like many to you, but when you've been averaging four, 58 <laughs> seems like a major crowd. Pastor Duncan found Claude. Where did all these people come from, Claude? He asked. Claude said, Preacher, I know these hollers and hills up here better than you do. And I went to some of the families that I knew didn't go to church 
And I ask, if I came up here Sunday morning and picked up your children, would you let them go to Sunday school at our church? And every once in a while, someone would say, Claude, you don't have to pick up my children. I can just bring them down myself. And then I went to the older people that I knew, the shut-ins, and I said, if I came after you Sunday morning, would you come down to our church? And every once in a while, someone would say, Claude, you don't have to come after me. My daughter could bring me down. And the preacher, and preacher, this is what happened. The next Sunday, they were down a little bit. It was only 56. The next Sunday, they moved up to 60 people. To make a long story short, for a decade after that, this little church averaged in the 50s and 60s. The little country congregation was filled with people who probably would not have been in a church anywhere else if it hadn't been for Claude. And about five years later, a young man in that church responded to God's call and he entered the ministry. Today he's touching many lives, all because a 78-year-old man named Claude discovered that he could make a difference. That's all it takes for a man or a woman to come to that realization that my life makes a difference. And I can't do what everybody else might can do, but I can do what I can. And what I can do, I will do by the grace of God. There's only one life, and soon it will be passed. And only what we do for Christ, it will last. That's the truth of it. And we need to not get sidetracked and get discouraged. We need to focus on keeping the main thing the main thing. But we are easily distracted, are we not? But I want to challenge you. You are, many of you are making a difference by what you do. We're making a difference by what we do. And as we do our little parts together, it's impacting the world in which we live. And that's for sure. Let's bow our heads together if we could. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. and We thank you that you have given us all the ability to do certain things well. Thank you, Father, for the inspirational history of what Claude did. Thank you that we discovered what that little old lady did on that curb as she gave a smile to a man ready to take his own life. Help us to discover what it is that you've given us that we can do corporately here together in our homes, our communities, in our workplace. Show us what it is we can do. Inspire us with your Holy Spirit. Empower us that we'll no longer just have good intentions, but everything that we find ourselves doing, we would do it as if and we were doing it unto you. As our heads are bowed, I'd ask you to join me as we reaffirm our faith in Christ this morning. And those of you who may not know Christ in a personal way yet, would you join us? 
And as we reaffirm our faith, would you let Christ come into your life as Savior, as Lord, and as King? Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I believe you love me. And I believe you've got some awesome plans for my life. Because Jesus died in my place. Because he rose from the dead. I am set free from all my sins. And my life can make a difference. I believe that Jesus is knocking at the door of my heart. And I open that door. And I welcome Jesus in. As my Savior. As my Lord. I am sorry for my sinful ways. But I choose this day to live my life for you. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Okay, before we dismiss, if you prayed with me just now and you welcome Christ into your life, would you stop at our connections desk in the back there? They put together a little gift bag. It's got a Bible, a bunch of other goodies that will inspire you. It's free. If you're a guest, we have another awesome gift back there for all of you who are guests today. Just one of our ways of saying thank you for coming. We hope you come back. Our weekly challenge says... And if you agree with this, check it off and then drop it in the tithe box. It says, all that I do, I will do it as unto the Lord and make a daily difference with my life. If that's you, sign it and drop it in. And don't forget, we got some uh, ushers at every door with these uh, decision magazines. Two visions, two Americas. You're going to cast your vote and choose which one you want. Is there anything else? God bless you. Oh, yes. If you need some prayer, you know, prayer makes a difference. We got some folks who would love to pray with you. If you have a need of any kind, don't be bashful to come up and let them pray with you. God bless you. You are dismissed. <laughs>